2: Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the
3: Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, a host of Loving That Sports Talk, and co-host with me, Chris. You there,
1: Chris? I'm here. How are you doing today,
3: James? I'm doing good. You ready for the show today? We have a very interesting guest today. Just, uh, I can't even talk. I mean, the good words. So uh, the guy, I love this guy. Great knowledge. Helped me out a lot. And um just glad to have him on the show today, Chris.
1: Well, that's always good to have.
3: Yeah, I, I want to introduce my guest here right out to all the listeners. Rick, you there, Rick? I am here. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Good to have you on, Rick. Well, Rick, uh, we, before we start talking about football and your Broncos and all like that, um, I sat back and listened to you uh, tell me a very interesting story. And when me and Chris do the show, a lot of young kids would be listening in um, ways that we, we try and, I um, guess, try and help them out by telling things that they do or how they can help them. And you had a very interesting story that um, um, happened to you and what you did like you talk about that, man. Chris,
4: throw some questions at you. Go ahead, and tell us about when you coached track. Okay, um, yeah, I uh, coached high school cross country and track for several years. And uh, the way I got started was I knew the athletic director of a local high school that uh, told me that they were going to drop the cross country program because kids weren't coming out. And uh in fact the year that year they had four girls and no boys uh, out for the cross country team and it was a fairly good sized school and uh, I volunteered to come on as a volunteer coach the first uh, year and see if I could uh, help build the team and then uh, the next year, I was able to become the head coach and we went from having just the four girls and no guys, to in four years I had the biggest boys team in the conference and uh, took my girls team to state, which was the first time a uh, team from that high school had gone to state in 14 years.
1: So right. um,
4: it, was, uh, it was quite a turnaround. But I uh, well, had, had a few thoughts about um, what made uh,
3: me successful in
4: getting the kids out.
3: Well, I wanna start out with a question. Like, you know, now you I know, mean, nowadays and back, you know, before it's hard to get the kids to go out for these sports, you know, 'cause they got so much on T V with the games that you can play on. How did you do that? how did you go about <laughs> training these kids to get them out? You know, what did you do different that other coaches didn't do to get them out of that school? Well,
4: uh, one thing uh the first thing was um to uh to challenge the kids. Um you know, it's uh, uh, if, if they're not if they don't feel challenged, they don't feel engaged. And I put posters up, um, you know, said challenge yourself, join cross country, and put pictures of kids running and competing and stuff like that. And then uh, I went researched back, um, probably twenty years, all the uh, meets that the kids had been in, and. Uh, found the top 20 performers, both boys and girls, and made a list of their fastest times, so the kids could look and see what they'd have to run in order to make that top 20 list. And uh, they were, so that uh, they were motivated to try to, to break into that list. The next thing I did was make it fun the uh, the kids had been going to all these little meets out in, um, you know, nondescript towns and stuff, and I totally rewrote our schedule. I put in a home meet so that uh, other kids could come and see them run and that their families and friends could see them run and uh, made the, um, the uh, meet so that uh, the kids, um, it was different than any other meet. It, it was unique. In the way that I ran it, I started the so- or freshmen first, and then a minute later I started the sophomores, a minute later I started the juniors, and then a minute later I started the seniors. So supposedly the fastest kids should be the seniors. They could, like, chase down the kids in front of them. So And then scored it uh, just by class. But uh, it, it was, uh, in fact, I called it the class act. Nice.
3: Trip.
1: So yeah. for you, I mean, I, I assume you had some coaches that that had encouraged you. Did you find yourself doing things that they had done for you? <laughs> Not
4: really. Well, yeah, I guess there was one thing. I had a coach that um, used to occasionally bring donuts
1: to practice,
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I didn't bring donuts, but uh, a lot of times, in the particularly in the um, early part of the season, it would be pretty hot when we were running and so i made monday popsicle day and after a, a good hard run on monday then uh, they were rewarded with popsicles and it was kind of uh funny how they got almost addicted to to those popsicles they couldn't wait to, and then one day i forgot and and they're going oh i don't know if i can run without my popsicle coach <laughs> and but uh so I ran to the store while they were out running and got some popsicles.
1: Nice. Yeah, they they'll, they'll remind you. They will remind you.
3: <laughs> yes. Rick, I got a two part question. Um, well, you were saying okay. that um, you know you got them with the all That my first one is is um, when a kid comes to you and they their talent, um, you see that it had a time but it was in there. How do you get to bring that out? You know, the coaching. And then the second thing is. Uh, when you have the kids to come out and not sure if they really want to, because I hated running. You know, somebody said we had to run, I don't know I couldn't do it. But how do you know that sport was for them? Um, well, it was. Uh, how did
4: how would what, how did, would I tell the kids that that I saw potential? Well, most kids right away can. Uh, know if they're uh, going to be successful, but not always, because I've seen kids that, um, in fact, I, at, at one back-to-school night, uh, I got Libby Hickman, who was a uh, an American Olympian marathoner, uh, to come to the back-to-school night and, uh, and sit at the cross-country table. And uh, she helped me recruit a couple of girls, but uh, one of them ended up being one of my runners that went to stay on the uh, state team. The other one was my slowest runner by far, but she really during the season found a love for running and she continued after high school and ended up being a quite competitive runner. So it's something that if you stick with it and uh, put in the effort, put in the time, and uh, with a little coaching, you can um, you can grow into it.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, as, as as a as a as a former athlete, you know, the the, the, the best players, you know, tend to have have coaches that, that you know they can really you know prove themselves to and, and, and want to you know it sounds like you had the ability to to get these kids to you know by by bringing people in or or with the you know different things that you would try that would would uh make the kids really want to push themselves
4: yeah um and i also well i was a lifetime runner as well um i've been running for 40 some years um but I also had a lot of stories I could tell them from when from my running days. Also, my own kids were uh, runners at a, a nearby high school. In fact, my older son was a two-time Colorado State champion. And uh, that's why we got you on the show. We got to hear the stories. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, um, some of the funny ones. Well, one of the other things that. Uh, I like well there's several things but one of the things is that uh, you bond with other runners um because you're out there um pushing each other and uh, um, practicing with each other it's not like in football or basketball where sometimes there's really heated rivalries there there are some rivalries but you know that uh if you're at the top of your game and uh, you're running against somebody else that's also uh, competitive, that he's going to help you or she's going to help you get a better time. And uh, my my son had a uh, – my older son, Dave, had a uh, crosstown rival that uh, they were battled back and forth. One would win one week and one would win the other week. And uh, they were friendly. Um, to each other, knowing that uh, they were their struggle was not again not just against each other, but uh, but with each other as well. Um, but uh, then the practices, we'd like to go up into the mountains every once in a while and run the hills and stuff. And I used to tell them the story about when uh, I was a high school runner and we went and did a mountain run, and two of the kids got lost, and uh, they. Um, never found them um, during the practice and the coach had to bring all the kids back to the high school and, and we went back up and looked for them and found them hitchhiking down the the road
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good So I, yeah. I know that you say you're not really competitive with, with, with- each other, but I know you're competitive with yourself, and I know you talked about, you know, most runners are competitive with what time they do, and they try to improve upon that time. Because you're talking about how the, the, you know, you posted the, the times from previous, um, pre- previous uh, track and field people to try to encourage these cool. kids to go out for the team. So, so do you do, do you tend to do that to you, with yourself?
4: Um. Not as much anymore because uh, all, all my personal bests are long in my past unless I run a distance I've never run before.
1: Right. But
4: uh, now the the kids are competitive with each other and times, but uh, it's more of a uh, – it's not a um, – oh, how do I say this? Um, they, help, they know that they're helping each other, so it's a different kind of competition than – it's someone that lines up across the line of scrimmage from you that wants to um, bust your face in or anything like that—it's—it's it's really you're really running together, right? But, um, yeah, the um, and that's the but the time is the one thing that, <laughs> that um, even the slowest runner can look to improve their time. So everybody can compete with. Their self from, from yesterday. I'll, if you can just be better than you were yesterday, then um, then you've improved.
1: So, how, so what? And, what take? Take me through some steps you would take if you had a slow runner. How would you try to improve upon that?
3: Well, hold on right yep. now, because Before we, before you let you answer that, we gotta take a quick break. Okay. Then we we'll come back, shoot on that question again, quickly. Now that was a good question, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but we're gonna take okay. a quick break. Eric, yeah. think about it, and we'll be right back.
2: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports.
3: this is james well. We're back to loving that sports talk. And co-host with me, Chris. Sorry to cut you off, Chris. from Rick. But go ahead, Chris. Now, Rick, that question. And
1: Thank I you. I love
3: to hear this answer. I'm very <laughs> interested. You got me
1: going now. Yeah. So, so Rick. I'm about ready to go asked. out here and run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want to see that one. Um, anyway, the question the question I was asking was, um, if if you do have a, a person that's a slow runner, you know, what what is it that you do to try to improve upon that to make them faster? Um, well, uh, the first thing is
4: that um, whether they're slow or fast, uh, we're trying to make them faster, so, or whatever level they're at. Um, but the uh, a little coaching uh, and a lot of uh, encouraging. Uh, one of the interesting things that uh, they studied, um, runners and what separated the uh, middle-of-the-pack runners from the top Runners is not their stride length, but how quickly they got through a stride, and uh, the top runners got through quicker. So we do a lot of, or we do some exercises where they try to increase um, their their stride speed, Um, and also there's two different philosophies about uh, distance running, particularly that uh, some people. Um, like to run a lot of miles and uh, then try to get them to run those faster. And then on the other hand, there's people that try to run fast and go long. And uh, um, like Brooks Johnson was a um, a coach that uh, believed in that, is to take somebody fast and get them to go longer. And that was my approach when I coached was that – I would try to get the kids to see like what their fastest mile could be. And then we'd try to stretch that to that same pace to a mile and a quarter to a mile and a half um, until we finally to trying to push at that at that pace for a full 5k, which is what the high school distance was. Um, I like to take kids and, and uh, that know how to run fast and try to just keep them uh, running at pace for for longer. So we'd go into meets, um, and I would tell, you know, know, Jessica, okay, I want you to try to hit the mile mark in seven minutes, and then the next meet it might be, okay, I want you to try to hit the mile and a half mark at that same pace and just try to get them to run the same pace, uh, what I'd consider a fast pace for them. Uh, a little bit longer each meet until we got to the end of the season and they could run the whole thing that way.
3: Right. It's interesting how we young because when me and Chris do the show, we all have basketball players, football players. We never taught running. But my thing is, is um, when I was playing, you know, I used to see all the track coaches come and try and recruit the football players to run. And, you know, you had the fast guys, you had the guys with – my thing is, how do you go about, like, a person like me or something like that and, and get a guy that, you know, can run fast in football and all like that and says, you know, I can't do track? You know, how do you change the mindset? And then i seen, you know, like, you know, my friend Sean Williams, he was a hell of a track runner after that. And they talked him into it, and he didn't know that he could do that. You know, how do you keep telling you my know, thing, a player, a person or a kid, that, you know, this could be for you? You know what I'm saying? Um,
4: well, um, generally speaking, I didn't do, um, a whole lot of, uh, of, uh, trying to convince kids to come out. Um, after I got the program rolling, they were coming to me and, you know, they would have their friends running or they'd see the local meet or whatever and think, you know, I could probably do that. And then, of course, I, um... I had all my recruiting posters, um, that, uh, and some of them were used a lot of humor and, and stuff like that. Like I had a picture of, um, uh, one race where it was a loop and they came and, uh, um, my son was, um, so far ahead of the back of the pack that he was already, um, back to the start of the loop before um before all the kids had cleared out so there were a bunch of kids running away from the camera and my son running towards the camera and I took that picture and I put it across the bottom it said said uh going the wrong direction join cross country and
1: uh,
4: <laughs> just um you know tried to use humor and and uh let the kids know that uh um we were um we were doing some fun things. oh, I took my team to Aspen on an overnighter um, where uh, we uh raised some some money and uh um went left on a friday after school spent the night in uh in glenwood springs and then uh, drove over to the meet in Aspen in the morning and then after the race, some of the kids stayed and and shopped in Aspen. Some of them went to Glenwood Springs to set in the hot springs. And then, uh, some of the kids came home, you know, they had the option. We had four different bands and, uh, I had kids coming up to me saying, do you need a manager? Do you, need, <laughs> you know, I'll be your manager for the week. And I, and, uh, I said, you know, we're, we're pretty much okay there, but, um, you know, just do, doing fun things and exciting things. And, and, um, um being out in front of the uh the um school you know where they could see that we were having fun and we were bonding and stuff like that so another thing that i like about um particularly the fall sports um is that uh, and and the bonding the um the kid in incoming freshmen when you go to high school it's pretty, it can be pretty intimidating but if you join a sport and you have a group of athletes that you're connecting with right from the start, then they will they can kind of look out for you in the school and, and make you feel like you belong and, and that uh, you're not overwhelmed by being at the new school. So I always encourage parents to uh, get their kids involved in some sort of sport when they're a freshman going in just so that they have... Uh, a group of friends that uh have some upperclassmen that can uh, watch out for them
1: yeah that, that that's definitely a good thing to to try to do and encourage and help with kids so uh, that that's great so but Brian or or sorry Rick during the break, you were discussing about some events um and 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 things that you have created uh with 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 a running team and um talk a little bit about that.
4: Um, well, years and years ago, um, I used to be an uh, adult leader for some church camps, and uh, then my older son and I went to a running camp out at Lake Tahoe one time, and I thought, you know what would be really cool is to combine the church camp and the running camp, and uh, I had this idea, and I pitched it to a few people, and they came back and said, well, get more details, I'm, I want to know more. and and so I put together this plan for, uh, this camp called Camp Isaiah. And that's after, um, Isaiah forty thirty one that says, uh, well, the part that we picked out was, uh, we shall run and not grow weary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Camp Isaiah was born in 1994, I think it was. And, uh, I got some of the local run, um, celebrity runners, so to speak, uh, Doug Bell from Greeley, Colorado, who was a master's record holder. Um, I had Brian Hill, who was a NCAA indoor mile champion, come and talk. I had people from other sports as well, Susan Vonderlip, who was an Olympic gold medalist swimmer, and Alexi Graywall, who was an Olympic gold medalist cyclist. Uh, come and talk at my camp as well. And we, it was four to five days um, just before the cross country season. And we'd go to a location up in the mountains. Uh, right now, it's at Pingree Park, which is Colorado State University's mountain campus. And uh, we'd we'd have as many as fifty kids. Um, running through the mountains on the trails and stuff and it was a really fun week it was exhausting but it was fun and uh, eventually that camp was taken over by a kid that came to the first camp a couple of years later he came on as a counselor and uh, eventually he took it over his name's Mark Stenbeck and uh, Mark now runs the camp and uh The other things, some of the other things I did was I started the Loveland Roadrunners running club because there were some local races that were dropping off the schedule and I wanted to get them back on. So we started this running club and we started sponsoring these races and that was in 97. So that's, um, or 90, yeah, 97. So that's coming up on 20 years next year.
1: Nice. um, so, no, no. How often do you still run? Well, uh, I don't
4: run as much as I used to because just in the last year, um, I've started to develop uh, a knee issue. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and up until that point, I ran probably four at least four times a week, and I'd do a couple of races a year. Um, I ran the most when I was. In my late 20s and early 30s, I uh, did a number of marathons. And whenever we'd go on vacation somewhere, I'd try to find a local race to run. I ran a marathon in Maui and a 10K in South Carolina and stuff like that.
1: Nice. So, Okay, so let me tell you, ask this you know before we go to break as 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 glorified couch couch potato okay if i was going to start running what would you recommend me do
4: um if there's a local running club um to get with them uh people have the uh, this impression about running clubs that oh that's just the fast guys and i'm just a plotter or i'm just starting or whatever you know most of them are not fast most of them are just people that like to run that uh, encourage each other and and uh, so that impression that it's just for fast people is is not accurate. So um, that would be one thing. Also, there's plenty of online programs, um, books to read um, that can help you get started. But uh, the important thing is to have a good shoes. That's really the only equipment you need. You can run naked if you have the right shoes. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, <laughs> no, but uh, no. but that's really all the equipment you need. Uh, okay. To uh, um, And then to start slowly, and uh, don't be afraid to walk. Um, my fastest marathon I ever ran, uh, every mile I would walk for... Oh, maybe fifty feet or something, just to break up my stride a little bit, and uh, it was it was my fastest marathon. Um, it's walking is not necessarily a, a bad thing unless you're it, at the very top of,
3: of the craft, so to speak. Right. So this is what we gotta do. We gotta take another break and we come back. Um, Kristen waiting for this too. She uh, Rick been. Studying and sitting now He's a Broncos fan too, so we'll get into your Bronco. But well, this is James, Chris, and one of my guests, Rick. will be right back.
1: Okay.
2: look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. internet flagship station for sports. Yay! Voice America Sports. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. <laughs> You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or drop an email to Talk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is Jen. i hope your host,
3: Loving That Sports Talk, and I'm still here with my coach. You there, Chris?
1: I'm here. I'm ready.
3: And my guest, Rick, Rick, you didn't leave us at you? I say what? You didn't leave us yet, did you? Oh, no, I'm I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is part of the show that I'm going to let Chris do. I hate this part, you know, all these Broncos and they won Super Bowl. I'm kind of mad my Eagles going to win. And plus, I don't care. But I love it, you know, because, you know, they say the better team won and it was the better team. But, Chris, it's all yours.
1: Okay, well, first of all, James, you do realize that the Eagles just traded for a number two pick of the draft this year.
3: I don't mean nothing
1: uh, So I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a chance. So, okay, Rick, you know that the draft's coming up April 28th, which is next Thursday. Um, what positions do the Broncos need to focus on in the upcoming draft? Um, basically, what holes do they need to fill?
4: Uh, I'm not a fan of filling holes. I'm a fan of getting the best player available uh, because... One of the things that the that the fans tend to forget is about the Broncos Super Bowl champion season that they just completed was that they're going to have the same coaches and that the coaches played a big part in their success um, We'll have some different players that's true but uh it all boils down to um, what the uh, uh, what the coach 's game plan and motivation and and coaching skill coaching and stuff like that you can you can exchange you don 't want to exchange the whole team, but you you can exchange some of the parts and uh, still be successful. Uh, Kubiak and his team of coaches came in in their first year and took the team that uh, frankly was um, weak on offense and had a lot of moving parts on the defense and made them Super Bowl champions.
1: Exactly. You know, know, Rick, I can hear you talk all day long about this. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> I, I do. I, you know, I, I know it, do, it does drive James crazy when I start talking about the Broncos. But you know, they, they they did some right, really good things this past year, and we're hoping that they continue. Especially as you pointed out, the coaching staff they were they were by far one of the best in the league. So, um, so my next question has to do with Mark Mark Sanchez, who is a quarterback. Um, he's making a positive, positive impression on his Broncos teammates. So the question to you is, do you feel that they should stay with him, or should they look for another quarterback? So, you know, they have an offer to Kaepernick. And then I also heard that Brian Hoyer, Hoyer the former Texan quarterback, is going to be coming and meeting with the Broncos. You know, what, what, what's your thoughts on that?
4: Well, uh, most people remember Brian Hoyer for the fact that he threw, what, five interceptions in his final game uh,
1: mm-hmm. in the
4: playoffs. Uh, they forget to uh, um, take into account the fact that he did get them into the playoffs. And uh, so he must have something uh, going for him. Uh, personally, um, I don't think Sanchez gets enough credit. Um, I like Sanchez as a quarterback. Um, I'm not sure that uh, I love him as a quarterback. But uh, if, they, uh, if they were to sign Hoyer, um, I would be okay with that. I'm not a big fan of Kaepernick um but uh you know i could i could be swayed um i think that uh we would pay too much money for him if we if we ended up getting him but uh right. i think, I think Hoyer could be uh, um you know bring him in let him compete, and uh may the best man win. I also like well, uh, simeon their their uh, rookie from last year Simeon, but you know he's pretty untested. Of course, right, exactly. course, Kyle signed for $18 million, and he was
3: what I would consider untested as well. Right. Well, hold on. hold on, Chris. i got a quick question on that. Go right to ahead. You. Is, um, you know, you talk about Chris says Sanchez making a impression on his teammate. Impressions don't win games. Am I right, Rick? I mean, the you, teammate can like it and all that, but you still, I think Sanchez start for the Eagles, and he was horrible. I think Sanchez is a yes. jet, you know, and well, he's remembered by the butt fumble, But can he win for the Broncos? That's my question to you, Rick. Can he win for well, you guys, a New England um, or? A... Yeah, well, I um, I think of uh,
4: once again, I go back to what offense was he running, and did it fit his skills, and did he have the skill players around him? Because uh, unlike running. <laughs> Um, football is a team sport and if you've got uh, um, one guy that's trying to do too much um, that's when you get in trouble that's when brian hoyer throws five interceptions when he's trying to be the man but if you if you know that you don't have to carry the whole load it's a different program
1: yep so speaking about quarterbacks you know, we all know that Broncos got an average production out of their quarterback position last season, and they still won the Super Bowl. So the Broncos still have a great defense this season. So my question to you is: is quarterback play really that crucial?
4: Um, I
3: wouldn't say.
4: I would say that you have to have somebody that uh, that um, can uh, bring up the big play when they need it. Um but uh the thing that they had with uh, Peyton Manning wasn't necessarily a a great quarterback because by most standards he wasn't last year a great quarterback but he was a great leader and that's what the that's what they need in fact i think there's a, a vacuum on the offense right now of leadership uh who's going to stand up and be their leader it's it's pretty much has to be the quarterback and that's why um, what I think Sanchez has been doing so far it has been a good thing, bringing out the receivers out to California um, for their um, practices on the beach and stuff like that um, to um, take that step into that leadership role. That's as much of a part of quarterback play as the um, passes and the play calling.
1: Yeah, yep. That, that's true, and and I've I've asked this question before, so I'll I'll ask you this. You know, is 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 being, um, you know, someone having skills, you know, more important than someone who is going to be, you know, a great teammate teammate or, you know, leader on the team.
4: Uh, for that, I will simply uh, point you back to the Tim Tebow season. <laughs> I mean, uh, when he took over, we were what uh, one and four, one and five, something like that. And he took us to the uh, to the playoffs and even won a playoff game. Uh, did he have super skills? Um, no, but was he a leader? Yes. And so I would say the the um, the leadership part of that is bigger than the skill part of it.
1: Yeah.
3: Rick, before you, um, Chris, you go ask another question. I wanna. Yeah. Just one thing about that. If he was such... I mean, I watched that. and I'm, My show, I think I was in my second, third year of it, you know, but I hated Tim Tebow, but he won games. Why didn't y'all get rid of him? That's my... I mean, did Elway just hate him, or... Isn't it about winning games? You ain't got to like that. Am I right?
4: Uh, I don't think Elway liked uh, Tim Tebow in the least. In fact, uh, Sometimes they would show Elway up in the press box after Tebow pulled off another uh, miracle play and he would almost have a scowl on his face going, you know, I put him in so that they would shut up about him. And now he just keeps pulling off these miracles. And it, you, it looked like he was very uncomfortable with Tebow as his starter. And, um I just uh wish that they would have kept him around even once they signed Manning I wish they would have kept Tebow around as a backup. Maybe he would uh you know, he he um had a pretty good game um in his last preseason game. Uh playing for what team, James?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah you ain't gonna tell me right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I
4: thought that uh, I thought T- Tebow was probably the best teammate that you can best kind of teammate that you could have and uh, always encouraging and always hopeful. Um, yeah, I liked I liked Tebow a lot. In fact, if you um, check my Facebook page, you might find uh, still a picture of me Tebowing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 did get done a lot, that's true. <laughs>
4: yeah. I mean oh, okay. how many other uh, professional players have uh, have something named after them like that? In, in,
1: well in, in a positive way. Yes. <laughs> in a positive way, yeah it's true.
3: Good, uh,
1: I'm so sorry. Okay, no problem. So so the Broncos opened the two thousand sixteen season at home against the Carolina Panthers. You know, some people are, are calling it the Super Bowl fifty rematch. So, Rick, do you think that this will basically be a grudge match between Cam Newton and Von Miller?
3: Oh, I can't no. wait for this answer. I'm waiting for
4: this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to probably disappoint you. Yeah, I think it means a lot more to um, the Panthers than it does the Broncos. Because, um, uh, well, you know, at the end of the day, we get to go, get to go home and look at our trophy. And uh, they true. get to go home and dust off their shelf. So... <laughs> So yeah, I think that they're uh, looking more for it than uh, than we are, and if we lose that one, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, we'll be in the midst of some um, major changes, and uh, we'll get there. But uh, well, at this point, and,
1: and, uh, uh, the Broncos are predicted to win, I think, by three points.
4: Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I would pick that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Rick.
1: I'm. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's that's what the, um, the Vegas odds are. I wouldn't. Are.
4: I wouldn't count them out though either.
1: Right? Because they. i, I you know. Even said I've said many times, defense wins games, and Denver, still, even though they lost a few players, they still got a good defense.
4: Yes. Yes. Without a doubt. Um, I sure wish go. they would. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. I sure wish they'd uh, get Von Miller under contract, though. Um, right. You know. 'Cause uh, you want your uh, your superstar to uh, be happy while he's in there.
3: Well we gotta take our last break when we come back we gotta load you up, Chris will load you up with more questions about your Broncos but uh I don't know, Little panther Ma my next check is going on little no pants, so we'll see. We'll see right now. <laughs> <there. laughs>
0: Bien.
1: I am here, and I'm ready to, ready to go. We've got some more questions ready.
3: Rick, 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 you're on you. Are you ready, Rick? I am ready.
1: <laughs> Rick,
3: before, we, before we end the show, I know who to be talking about. I want to really thank you. I appreciate you being on the show and all you do for me. And You just don't know. I talk about you every day, you know. Your ears should be ringing when I'll be like, you know, Rick, 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 we one. <laughs> Hey, I had to meet this Rick. Keep talking about him, you know. Well, I just want to thank you, you taking the time out today and just being on the show for me. And, you know, all the listeners, you know, my mom and dad, all every day they have all the church members. You know, Chris know that every day on the show, every week, they have all the church members in house, they cook for them, they all listening, you know. And so I'm going to get text message back. Well, my mom will call me tonight and tell me, but I really want to thank you again, Rick. Well, it's a
4: pleasure. Uh, Jimmy, you're a good friend, so... Uh, I'm glad I was able to do it, and yeah, I expect you to do this again sometime.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
3: definitely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Rick. So we're talking about the Broncos' upcoming season. So they're predicted to go eleven and five this coming season. Um, their losses are they're they're supposedly going to lose at Cincinnati, at Oakland, at Jacksonville, at home against New England, and then at Kansas City. So do you think this is correct or are they underestimating the Broncos? Um,
4: I don't think that you can, uh, you can possibly know.
2: <laughs> uh, there's
4: always surprises that the, um, by the end of the season, who would have guessed that this team would have collapsed totally. And who would have guessed that these guys would have shown up like they did. Uh, last year, the, the Raiders started out looking like they were going to be really tough and then faded at the end of the season. Um, San Diego has what uh, you consider one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and they're where are they, you know?
1: Yeah, they're so, known to throw to um,
4: <laughs> Yeah. Since they got rid of that uh, Wyoming wide receiver, what was his name? Mm-hmm. Malcolm Floyd? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I remember yeah. Ma- Malcolm when he was. My dad had season tickets to Wyoming football for 40 years, and so I grew up on uh, cowboy football and. I remember when uh, James was playing there.
1: So, yeah, um, yeah, I followed those I, Wyoming guys. Game too. Pros. so yeah, I I understand. I understand. So yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I don't. I don't think.
4: Uh, I mean, you can get a general idea, but the Broncos are going to win some games that they shouldn't have, and they're going to lose some games that they shouldn't have as well. Um, you can get an idea that they're going to be good, um, be, mostly because of the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all depends on how good um, the offense is, how good their season's going to be.
1: And whether but, the receivers uh, actually catch the ball and not fumble it all the time. So anyway, we won't uh, talk about that. Okay, so Rick, my my, my question has to do with DeMarcus with Ware. So do you think bringing him back was one of the best off-season moves for the Broncos?
4: Um, yes, I think that uh, he's without a doubt one of the leaders of the defense. And uh, when you have him on one end and Von Miller on the other, that makes makes everybody else in between them that much better because the guys are focused on DeMarcus and uh, and Von, and the guys Mm -hmm. in the middle benefit. Yeah. And, yeah, that was a crucial move, I thought. that, That was probably the most important one so far that I've seen.
1: Oh, I, I I agree. I totally agree. I mean, he's, you know, I, I Von Miller, of course, is is fantastic. But you throw in another tough defensive, you know, defensive player like that, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> Where does the offense go when they have these two coming at them? So, yeah. All right. So the NFL owners recently approved an automatic ejection for players who commit multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in a game. So who I'm looking at is Aqib Tlaib. He's the Broncos quarterback. You know, he he basically, should he told the line a bit with his play? If you recall, he was flagged three times in the Super Bowl and twice in the Indianapolis Colts game.
4: Yeah, he's uh, kind of a loose cannon. And uh, it might take getting kicked out for him to uh, um, get his head turned around on that. I remember when that came out that he was uh, um, one of the ones that uh, voiced displeasure with this new rule change. I don't have a problem with it um, Mm -hmm. because it hurts your own team when you get those. I mean, that's a big penalty. 15 yards is uh, enough to, a lot of times enough to move someone into field goal range or uh, keep a drive going or so many other things that, uh, um and so many times with just stupid stuff, taking your helmet off and and uh stuff like that. It's like we're that's a part of the game that we really don't need.
1: Yeah.
3: Chris, yes, I got let me cut in real quick for Rick. I mean Chris. All uh, right, two two questions. Um, two part. One, um, a cave that happened to him that could have hurt on Two Bowl. If y'all would have lost would y'all blame him with those comments? And the second thing is, um, it's, it's throwing you off the Broncos a little bit. What do you think about the Odell Beckham thing with that question Chris has asked you? Should he have been thrown out? Remember that game with him with um, Carolina with Kenwood? Wood? Should he been thrown out from this new rule, or should it, the rule have been? If the rule is not in, but he still should have been thrown out, what do you think about that, Rick?
4: uh it'll be interesting to see if the referees um hold back on calling the unsportsmanlike conduct um, plays or if they uh you know if they know that this guy gets another one he's out um are they going to go ahead and uh and you know, run people out or are they going to adjust their their calls because of that um, you know, the late hits out of bounds and stuff like that. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, hmm. Beckham, he was, he, I remember that, uh, I, I didn't see it, but I heard about it and it sounded like he really needed uh, a timeout.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: But, uh, yeah. And um, if uh, the Broncos would have lost the Super Bowl, um well, they didn't change their Super Bowl champions. So.
1: It's kind of a mute point.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, but uh, nobody single handedly loses or wins a game for a team. Uh, once again, it's a, a team sport, and you can always look back and see four or five crucial plays, and uh, um, and then uh, a whole bunch more that. Uh, set up those crucial plays. So no, I I wouldn't I would never blame one player on a loss. Even Scott Norwood when he uh, um missed the field goal, the famous wide right field goal for Buffalo. Um uh, you, you can't blame it on a, a field goal kicker if they miss one at the end of the game because um if the team would have had a twenty point lead it wouldn't have made any
3: difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So my last question. So the Broncos have re-signed both C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Who should they focus on as a running back?
4: Uh, Oh, C.J., without a doubt. Okay. Um, Hillman, uh, in college, had a a great college career. Uh, He's a speed guy. The problem is that when you get to the pros, everybody is a speed guy i mean you're you're going up against defenses that are way faster than uh, than most of the average college um football defenses uh so uh speed isn't uh, it's neutralized in the pros um as opposed to uh somebody that can is uh well, my wife calls c j the little bowling ball <laughs>
3: um
4: and uh you know he's got some he's got some moves and some cutting ability um but he's also got some strength and uh so i think that that's uh i think cj is the one that uh, is going to uh, rise to the top the only question is how he how healthy
3: he stays
1: right right
3: well we got the news in my ear to end the show but we're going to thank you again next time we have the show we we'll have your wife on there too because she's a big bronco fan and to see what she got to say about it too. (laughs) She sleeps in Bronco's pajamas. Nice. (laughs) So you know.
1: (laughs) I need to find out where she shops at.
3: Uh, But anyway, I'm going to show all that now we are, you know. But Rick, thanks again and Chris, hey, great show today. Uh,
1: All right. Thank you guys. It's been great, great action talking with you.
3: Okay, nice to talk to you guys. All 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 right.